Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood. Have you ever lost a pet or had to put a pet to sleep? Even though when you try to tell ourselves that it's just an animal, there is always that sense of grief that remains. Now imagine if you were part of the reason that your pet had to be put down. Well, that's exactly what happened to today's guest at just the age of 10. Dr. Mark Bruce accidentally struck his dog, leaving him absolutely devastated. But this story turns into something quite amazing. Today he'll share that story with us and tell us how this tragic incident led him to a long last a friendship with First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy. That's today on Connections. Today we're joined by Mark Bruce. He's an emergency physician in Wisconsin. He's also traveled with the International Medical Ministry in Central America, Asia, Europe, and Africa. He's also the ambassador to Belize and Canada for the American College of Emergency Physicians. Not only are you a doctor, you are also an author. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you got into writing. Kind of by accident, I think. Um, I, I, this is a story that uh, I wrote the book about that has followed me really all my life since I was 10 years old. And uh, it, it's a fascinating story that's rich in history, and it's uh, such an improbable story that you can't help come away from listening to it and hearing it without thinking that there was uh, this was a God thing that there was divine intervention through this process. And so when I would tell this story, uh, whether it be at a dinner party or whether it would be, you know, to a civic group or uh, a church group or whatever, because people, just because of the, the, uh, the, the, the type of story that it is, uh, I would get requests to, to tell this story. And, but and this... people would always ask me afterwards to... Uh, they, they, they'd come up afterwards and they say, have you written the book yet? And so I, I just, I would get a busy life. And it, it was like, oh, no, you know, we got, you know, Maura and I, my wife is a physician too, and we do a lot of international work. We're out of the country at least a couple of months out of the year and got five kids and seven grandkids. And, and so life, and, you know, I'm still working full time in the Emerge. And so <laughs> it, it's just been a busy life. And so, it was about a few years ago that Audi Automobiles did a documentary uh, on this story, and uh, they sent a film crew over here from Europe, and uh, they really, really did a nice job on this. And, and a nine-and-a-half-minute uh, uh, clip, which we've got posted on our book's website, they basically told the story. And, and I that, that process got me thinking, yeah, you know, there really is something to this that deserves to be told. And I really wanted my, my own children and grandchildren to understand some of the deeper aspects of this story. It's not just a story about a great lady, a boy, and a dog. It's, there's, there's really a lot of, of deeper meaning here to, to be understood and to really profit by. So. Jackie, a boy and a dog, a warm Cold War story. This is a true story that happened in your own life. Can you just give us a brief summary uh, of, of this story? I can. I grew up in the Midwest as the son of a Baptist minister. And I had two great loves growing up as a young boy, and that was, number one, baseball. I love baseball. And we had a big backyard in our neighborhood, and all the kids would come over and play ball in our backyard. And it was just, it was wonderful, you know. And it was 1963. The St. Louis Cardinals were really doing quite well. And Stan Usual was my hero, and 
he was playing his last year in the majors after a, a storied career, a Hall of Fame career, and Stan was my guy. And my second great love was dogs. And I just grew up, I, I, matter of fact, I think probably the first words out of my mouth whenever I learned to speak was, can I have a dog? <laughs> I, I, I can't explain it other than just, I, and people that love dogs, I think, know what I mean. Yes. But it was those two great loves uh, basically filled my life. And I had a little dog. I was involved with the 4-H Dog Care Project, which is a 4-H is a uh, ongoing youth development program. It's it's really a very very fine program, and it I was involved with the dog care project, learning how to care for my dog, do obedience training, groom, all those types of things that to give you not only a sense of ownership and responsibility, but really uh, enhance your own. Uh, affection towards your pet. My dog was Midget. She was a little dog, but very faithful, loyal companion. And wherever I was, she was, except whenever, you know, I was at school or whenever we were outside playing. Most of the time, she would be inside the house. Well, this one summer day in 1963, I didn't know that she was out. And it was, uh, you know, your perfect early summer day in June. And we were playing baseball. I was at bat, and I was in my best and usual stance, and the ball was coming towards me. And unbeknownst to me, Midget, my dog, was outside too. She loved to play catch. And so when she saw the, the ball coming towards home plate, she ran up behind me right as I was swinging, and I hit her in the head as she was trying to catch the ball. I killed her. And here I, I was absolutely devastated watching my the thing that I loved die at my feet and knowing that, oh, my, it was just a completely surreal moment. And it was like, oh, and I cried for a week. I was absolutely devastated. You know, I'd probably be in therapy today if we had those kind of resources back then, but we didn't. So this was during the height of the, the Kennedy administration in history. It was during the Cold War. And my story actually starts, this, this whole episode starts during the space race because Stroka was the first dog the Sputniks, that the Russians sent up in a Sputnik to come back alive. That was in the late 50s, early 60s. After Stroka comes back from space, she has a litter of pups. One of those pups is Pushinka. Pushinka was a gift of state from Premier Khrushchev to the Kennedy family at the 1961 Vienna Summit Conference. The Kennedys loved dogs, and they entered the White House with one dog, and that was Charlie, the Kennedy's Welsh Terrier. Jack loved Charlie. He was the favorite. He was kind of the alpha dog of the Kennedy White House, but they only had the one when they entered, but then they started kind of collecting dogs as other people, friends, or other heads of states would gift them with an animal. And so by the time uh, 1963 rolls around, they've got a pretty full kennel. And Charlie sires four pups by Pushinka in early 63, which kind of put the total of White House dogs up to nine. And so out of my grief, we always used to listen to Paul Harvey news and commentary. I don't know if, uh, if, if you're familiar with this legendary broadcaster or not, but he was just an icon back, uh, and he was in the broadcast business until into his 90s. 
mm-hmm. just an iconic broadcaster. But he always had this noontime news and commentary for 15 minutes. And we always used to listen to him. And he came on the air that a week after my dog, I had killed my dog. And he said, they just had a litter of pups at the White House. What are they going to do with all those dogs? And I'm thinking, I need a dog. There's nobody in the world that needs a dog more than I do. I'll write the Kennedy family and ask for one of their dogs. And so in my innocence, I sat down with the encouragement of my mom. Of course, my brothers thought I was absolutely crazy. I was the youngest of three boys, and they let me know that. But my mother said, look, ignore your brothers. Go ahead and just write the letter. And so I did. I sat down and wrote a letter and said, I killed my dog. Can I have one of yours? And that was, again, kind of how – that was my, my entry into this relationship with the uh, – particularly with Jackie. The White House writes me back in about a week and said, look, we're sorry to hear your sad story, but we're not going to give any of the dogs away. And to me, that was the end of it. I was like, well, okay, they at least heard my sad story, and now it's time to move on to plan B. And my plan B was to, to go to the dog pound and get another dog. And I bugged my parents every day. The rest of the summer is like, can we go to the dog pound today? And there's always a reason why we couldn't go. Uh, we're going on a trip, or we need to build a fence in the backyard, or your dad's going away, and we need to wait till he comes back. And and so, I, but I, I wouldn't let go of it until August 18th, in 1963, is a Sunday morning. And of course, Sunday mornings were always busy times in our household because of my father's pastorate duties. And he was at church. He would preach two sermons on a Sunday morning. And uh, my oldest brother was uh, in the youth choir, so he was at church too. But I was ready to go to church, and, and the phone rings. And we would get a lot of phone calls on Sunday morning from Sunday school teachers that you know were sick and couldn't come, or uh, we needed to pick somebody up on our way to church. And so I was ready. I was uh, close to the phone, picked the phone up. And it was uh, Evelyn Lincoln, the president's personal secretary, on the phone. And she says, is Master Bruce there? Well, I wasn't used to being called Master around our house. She was meaning me. But I, I thought she meant Mr. Bruce. And But I was a little confused because it was like, well, why isn't this person asking for Reverend Bruce like everybody else does when they want my father? And I said, no, he's already at church, but my mother's here. Would you like to speak to her? And she says, yes, that would be fine. And so my mother gets on the phone, and she's a lot happier and a little bit more animated than what she normally is with most Sunday morning phone calls. And she hangs the phone up after a few minutes and turns to me, and she says, Mark, that was the White House, and they're going to give you a dog. Well, I heard the part about I'm getting a dog, and the part about the White House was really kind of lost on me. So I was pretty excited about that, and go to church and, and tell my dad I'm waiting in his office You know, after he finishes uh, the first service. And he's kind of surprised to see me there. He goes, Mark, why aren't you in Sunday school? I said, Dad, the White House called, and they're going to give me a dog. And he was a little bit surprised. And, you know, he was uh, this man of the world, and you know he knew how things happen, and this is not how things usually happen. <laughs> and he said, Mark, I, I think somebody's playing a very bad joke on you. And no, really, Dad, I'll have Mom come to show you. She talked to him, too, and they'll come down and talk. And I'll have Mom come down and, and talk to you about it. He goes, yeah, that'd be good. So he convinces my mom that this is a joke. And now she's all worried about, oh, my goodness, you know, how am I going to you know, burst Mark's bubble about this good news? And, gee, 
just really a lot of doubt in terms of what she had actually heard on the phone, too. Well, we finish up church, go home, and as we kind of turned the corner to where we lived, the press corps was camped out on our front lawn. It was a slow news day, August of 1963. Congress is on recess. The Kennedys are up in Hyannisport. And so it was just kind of a warm, feel-good story that uh, the news media at that time needed content. And so it was something that everybody kind of grabbed a hold of, and it was, uh, it was, it was that kind of warm, feel-good story. And that was the beginning of uh, the 17 years that I had Streaker, which is the name of the dog that they gave me. But even more important than that, and Streaker was just a wonderful pet. He was, again, a very loyal companion. Uh, he was, uh, I, I detail a lot of things about the relationship that I had with Streaker in the book, but even more important, I was raised to have good manners. And when somebody does something nice for you, you say, thank you. And so I wrote the Kennedy family and Jackie in particular, a, a thank you letter. And she writes me back in early 1960, uh, early September of 1963. And she this is a very personal three-page handwritten letter, and she ends the letter by saying, please stay in touch because we'll be interested to know how everything turns out. We had actually planned to have a photo op with uh, the president and Mrs. Kennedy in Columbia, Missouri, which is where we lived, a university town. Where they were scheduled to make a campaign stop there in January of 1964, but Jack was killed a couple of months before that, and so that never happened. But we... Every, I, I took Jackie at her word, and every few years, I would, uh, every year or two, um, over the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s, I would send a picture and write a letter, let her know kind of what was going on, and she would always write me back. But she, her letters were letters of great encouragement. And I, I kind of, at the time when you go through something like that, it seems kind of normal, and you don't think anything too special about it. But as, especially when I got into college, you know, I'm looking around at my buddies, and here's – I'm getting letters from the most iconic woman of the 20th century, and none of my buddies are getting letters from Jackie. And I – especially as I kind of got older, I saw how God used this experience, how had God used Jackie as an instrument of his grace in my life. And equipped me to be an instrument of grace for so many people that I've touched in my medical work around the world. And we continued this. Uh, she encouraged me in my studies, encouraged me in my choice of profession, going into medicine. And even uh, up until when Maura and I, my wife, uh, who's also a physician, well, we started uh, having children. I had sent her even after Streaker died, uh, and, and she was a great solace to me whenever Streaker died because it was you know, a sad day whenever that happened, even after 17 years. But we stayed in touch until the mid-'80s. At that point in time, my life got incredibly busy with a lot of kids and building a medical practice, and our correspondence basically fell off at that point in time. But that's that's kind of, in a nutshell, what this book is about. It's, it's really a book about how, even in the midst of chaos, that God is in control, and how God uses each of us, if we're willing to put our giftedness at his disposal, 
and let him use us as he sees fit, how, what amazing things can happen. Mark, who do you hope will pick up this book? Well, first of all, this book, especially with what we've done with the book, it's so rich in history, especially going back to the early space race and the the initial failures and then successes and how the Soviet Union were so far ahead of the United States in the space race at, at the beginning. And also just the story of the Kennedy administration. And one of the things that I, I find so interesting is how dogs, especially uh, during the Kennedy administration, Charlie brought great solace to Jack during some of the dark days of his administration. And I detail some of those stories in that book, especially during the Cuban Missile Crisis, where we really thought that, you know, we were on the brink of a nu- nuclear holocaust. But it's, it's, it's a story that people that have a love for history and people that have a love for dogs, it's where all of that can come together. And it's uh, it, 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 those people that are uh, interested in that era, they should be, because it certainly informs us in terms of where we are today in terms of world politics. Here we are kind of commencing another Cold War, this time not so much with the Soviet Union, but with China. And how you can really look back and see the lessons that we learned from that history and apply it to today. But at the same time, see how God works through chaos. So those people basically, I think it's a great book for kids growing up to understand uh, all of those lessons. I think it's a great story for uh, people that are, you know, in their the, the millennials that don't remember that time, and also for even the baby boomers, the Gen Xs, that uh, that really have no personal memory of that time, to go back and to really read this, and it's something that will give, I think, the readers a tremendous amount of comfort, especially in the era where we are, where we're in this this era of what seems like chaos and things out of control, understanding that God's still in control and how God uses things, even though we don't see his presence maybe at the time, and uses those things to bring glory to himself. Where can people learn more about you and about the book? We actually have a pretty good, uh, a very robust website set up, and it is jackieboydog.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook, but uh, JackieBoyDog.com. The Facebook page basically will direct people to uh, where they can actually purchase the book on the website. But uh, there is a store within the website, so if people go to JackieBoyDog.com, there's a lot of media there. There's the Audi documentary. Audi Automobiles did a documentary on this story a couple of years ago and really did a nice job with that. It's about a nine-and-a-half-minute clip. There's also some immediate interviews that I've done uh, with uh, Fox News, and some. Uh, there's a, a podcast that I did with uh, another uh, educator that is really uh, well well done. All of those things are linked up there. But there's a book trailer that tells uh, briefly about the book. I, I actually posted an, an author video uh, on the website where I talked very briefly about a couple of my grand dogs because we have four grand dogs now, and that's kind of how we get our dog fixes. Uh, and there's a store there. So you can go to the Buy the Book tab and uh, purchase the book. There's a way 
in that uh, uh, purchase site for you to ask me to personalize the book. I really enjoy signing the books. I will tell you that for your Canadian listeners, it would be probably best to go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Uh, It should be available at any commercial bookstore. They can easily learn about the book at the website, but to purchase the book uh, probably would be best to go to Amazon. And there are links to Amazon on that website, too. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mark. Remember, if you want to listen to the full conversation again, you can always do that by visiting your radio station's website. We'll talk to you again on Connections.